0: Brandon Belt, Colin, with you,
1: baby, strikes, spin rate, in a vacuum. Team Scam here on Tuesday. It's an Adam and it's Scott show. I know you're pumped up, Scott White.
0: Oh yeah, I'm pumped. Oh. Partly because of how Team Scam is performing already this week with half a day's worth of action in the bag.
1: Oh, and it's all because of Ryan Healy, isn't it?
0: Oh, uh, well, Healy and Samarja, yeah. Yeah, yeah well... TV.
1: I, I got a new song. I got a new fantasy baseball song. Okay. When I get that feeling I want Ryan Healy.
0: <laughs> I know you like it. Oh,
1: look at that. We're up eight zero to two in two ties so far, so good. Alright, so look uh Chris is out this week. Heath is doing filling in for Chris a little bit on the writing side, so I think he's gonna skip today's podcast, maybe Thursday's podcast, but uh, anyway, it's gonna be me and Scott running down Monday's action. Only seven games. When there are seven games on the, on the schedule, that is like a national holiday to a fantasy baseball analyst. It frees up a little bit of time at night, a little bit of time in the morning. So you can tell I'm in a pretty good mood right now. We're gonna talk about some random things that are on my mind, mostly fantasy baseball related. Uh, update you on Eduardo Rodriguez and Justin Verlander. And Scott, we got an email. From the guy who dropped Ryan Zimmerman, listen to yesterday's show, that would be Lance Brzdowski, and he's going to explain
0: himself later on. Okay. Alright. So. Yeah, I was, I, we were going back and forth on Twitter, so I have a feeling where his thoughts are okay. on that matter. Alright, good.
1: baseball at CBSI.com is the email address. baseball at CBSI.com. Hey, real quick, Scott, who do you like rest of season? Justin Smoke or Seeris Davis.
0: Ooh. I mean, man. Like, I, I do wonder if we need to keep holding C. Riz Davis in such high esteem, given how many home run hitters are that are exist at first base. Justin Smoke appears to be among them. Ryan Healy is also first base eligible, and given that third base is deep as well, I'm, you know, I, I think it's possible you could play him at either, so. Yeah, I still go, I'm still going to rank Chris Davis ahead, but it's, uh, by the end of June, I may have to rethink that, I think.
1: I don't even think Chris Davis is a top 30 first baseman right now, as so I'm just kind of scanning in, at least in points leagues, and yeah, I will I mean, say. He's,
0: he's not off to a very good start, but. No. Not at all. And that's kind of comes with the territory, like, a week ago, George Springer owners were getting frustrated. It's, it's like what I said about him on, on Monday's show. Like, A lot of times a player will do, in a two-week span, he'll do a quarter of his damage, and then if you give up on him too early, you're you're obviously regretting it.
1: Sure, but with Chris Davis, I mean, he got hot, and then remember Heath said, well, you missed your chance to buy low on Chris Davis. I think this was on our Freddie Freeman show. And then I was like, well, you missed this chance, but you might get another because he's cold again.
0: Yeah, particularly streaky with all the strikeouts.
1: And, and last, and last year he was the number 17 first baseman in points, number 16 in roto. So yeah, it is a good question. How long do we hold Chris Davis, Cyrus Davis in such high esteem? All right. Next, next, hey real quick for you. Hey real quick, who do you like rest of season? Sean Manaya or Garrett Cole?
0: Well, I still like Cole, but again, one is trending down, the other's trending up. I did move Sean Mania into my top forty recently. He has separated himself from the glut of starting pitchers who are all kinda interesting but don't um haven't been anything close to reliable in fantasy. I, I think he's becoming that with the strikeouts and he had been showing good control. I know he walked three in this most recent start, but uh his changeup is elite. His slider seems to be improving. Oh it's nasty. And uh it is he commands nasty. Commands the stuff. He he looks like he's uh he is finally living up to that breakout, um, potential that so many of us said he had coming into the All year.
1: Alright, hope so. That's Sean Manaya. Uh, so you'll take Cole over Manaya. Would you go with Manaya or j Hap?
0: I would go with Manaya.
1: Alright, hey, real quick, Scott, is j Hap droppable?
0: I suppose in a shallower league he is. He's only about 60% owned, I think. No, he's 89% j Hap. Okay. 69%. Okay, I must have been looking at a different player this morning, but I'll double check. Yeah, I think in in shallower leagues, you could get away with doing it. I I think it. I don't think it's fair to judge him on these two starts since returning from the DL, because it's he was kind of rushed back. The Blue Jays had such glaring need in the rotation, and he had he didn't rehabilitate. Uh in the way he probably should, his command's off right now. He's given up two home runs in each of these last two starts. I still think he's probably going to be a useful pitcher when all's said and done, but I, I could see if you're have, facing a roster crunch, he might be one of the more expendable pitchers on your roster.
1: Okay. I can't imagine my 12-team leagues, but in a 10-team league, maybe Jay Happa. But, you know, coming off a nice year, and he is 89% owned, 69% started. So if you didn't start him in a two-start week, congratulations. You made the right call. Uh, all right, let's let's talk a little fantasy baseball here, and later on in the show, we're going to talk about Ryan Healy. Uh, I'm thinking about second half of the show. Ryan Healy, Odubo Herrera has become the first Philly in baseball history, in Philly's history, and baseball history, <laughs> to um to have two doubles in three straight games. Tommy Pham's hitting well. Jorge Bonifacio is only 17% owned. I'll get Scott's take on that. And look who's the top eight shortstop. He had been really bad for about a month. Now he's been really good for about a month. And I'll tell you about that mystery player in in a little bit. Here are some sort of random things that have been on my mind, Scott. Okay. It's Jacob deGrom throwing too many pitches. I have a lot of Jacob deGrom. And if he gets injured, that's it for me. I I'm done. Will not host the show anymore. Will not even want to play fantasy. That, that, that'd be it. So I'm wondering if I should trade him at least in one league. And this is seven straight starts from a guy coming off of, uh, I don't know. Like, it's not minor. It wasn't major elbow surgery, but it was not a minor procedure this offseason. Um, seven straight starts of 105 or more pitches. And he's at nearly 17 pitches per inning. He hasn't been that efficient. He's around guys like Ricky Nolasco, Julio Tehran, Hector Santiago, Gio Gonzalez in pitches per inning. So Scott
0: White. Is Jacob DeGrom throwing too many pitches? Well, let me first point out that only twice this year has he reached 110 in a start. So he's been consistently over 100, but it's not like, you know, he's throwing 125 or something like that every now and then. I don't know. I feel like like this might be a simple way of looking at it, but... The needs at starting pitching are too glaring for us to really comb through the finer details to that degree. I mean, Jacob deGrom, by all indications, is top 10 starting pitcher, a, a true ace, somebody you can rely on every turn he takes. And uh I don't think, like, unless you're getting another ace back in the deal, I don't know that this would be enough to compel me to move him.
1: Yeah. No, it would be. It would have to be if I traded Degrom, it would have to be for another ace, absolutely. Like a like an even trade, but just someone I feel is less of a little a safer. Yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, Degrom, it's fair to call him an injury risk after the way last season went down, and he hasn't been efficient. So, you know, you'd, you'd hate for your ace to go down in August, obviously, but yeah. uh it's better than having no ace at all.
1: I agree. All right, uh, next thing on my mind. And I've been wanting to talk about this for a while, Scott, and we've not gotten to it. One hit wonders. Should one hit wonders ever be anything more than a late round pick the following season? And the two guys that really come to mind are Jonathan VR, who a lot of people are asking us, should I drop Jonathan VR? Should I drop Jonathan VR? And Aledmas Diaz, I'm not sure why we're, like, kinda like Chris Davis, we're holding him in quite, quite the, uh, regard. Um but others, there have been others in the past. One hit wonder? Should we just make them late round picks, Scott White?
0: I don't know who, why it needs to be an all or nothing kind of thing. I don't know why you can't analyze these players individually and uh, make a determination based on that. I'm
1: trying to make a crazy bold statement here that are that's going to
0: drop people's jaws, Scott. <laughs> <sighs> Okay, so I'm kind of going off the top of my head here, which Mm. is going to make it difficult, but what one-hit wonders have come through for us this year? What, what, who among last year's uh, breakout players has kept it up to the point that we're, you know, very pleased?
1: Well, I don't consider Gene Segura
0: a one-hit wonder,
1: but I can see how some people would.
0: Michael Fulmer.
1: Uh, he was a rookie, I, I guess. Okay, but he, he was a prospect, right, Michael Fulmer? We have to define um, one-hit
0: wonder, first of all. Sure. Okay, so a player who you think has an established value already and then far exceeds it. Is that kind of what you're thinking mm, for that?
1: More like somebody who comes out of nowhere, like Jonathan Villar and Oled Diaz, right? We weren't expecting anything from them. Like Steve Pierce several years ago, uh, Lucas Duda, who I guess would be a fairly successful one-hit wonder. Uh, Rich well, okay. Hill, Rich Hill Scott, I would say, and, and he was yeah. a success story last year. Granted, he got the injuries, but he was amazing when he pitched. But he was a late round pick. That was mm-hmm. kind of my point.
0: Right. Well, okay, you also have Adam Duvall. I think it's fair to call him that. The Giants didn't see much value in him. Okay. Uh, and I didn't see much value in him. He looked like a quadruple A player. Late there was pick. Jose Ramirez, who's been great. Uh, I'm just kind of going position by position here. I don't I didn't put together notes before the show like you. So
1: you you don't <laughs> it doesn't sound like you agree with this premise. And I don't even no, agree with No, I mean,
0: premise. I understand what you're saying. I like I used to have a rule back in my earlier days playing fantasy baseball where I made a conscious effort to avoid a player until he had done it 2 years in a row.
1: Mhm.
0: Um and I don't know why I stopped doing that. I think maybe I just felt like I was missing out on too much value because oftentimes the one-hit wonders are naturally downgraded from the previous year. They're, Rich Hill's a perfect example. I mean, it's not like he was being drafted as a, you know, based on the upside he showed last year, he was top 30 at most. Um, now, you could say he's even disappointed from that perspective, but we do still have a long way to go. I haven't seen him dropped in too many leagues i think people are still holding out hope and rightfully so but if you do get a one-hit wonder that repeats it the following year normally you're getting him at a discount so it it is value you're passing up
1: yeah yeah okay well then let's answer first of all when i mentioned rich hill i was really counting 2015 as his one-hit wonder year even though it was like
0: five starts
1: or whatever and then well, I think he really came through for you in 2016. He just kept getting hurt. But when he pitched, he was amazing. He was. Yeah.
0: Arguably the second best pitcher in baseball in an inning, inning per inning.
1: Yeah. All right. So do you think Jonathan VR is droppable to answer many people's questions? He is the number 16 shortstop in points leagues, number 14 in roto. Keep in mind he's been batting seventh. For over a week now, he loses occasional playing time to Eric Sogard, who also takes playing time away from Orlando Arcia. And like yesterday, he went 0 for with two
0: strikeouts, so he's killing people. Uh, Jonathan VR droppable. It I I guess for some people he probably is. Like for instance, I would value Zach Cozart over him now. So if you know there's not a very active trade market in your league, and you happen to grab Zach Cozart early. Then I could understand why somebody might be compelled to drop VR, but I still think he's going to be one of the most prolific base dealers at the position. Uh, he's going to give you some pop. I, I, you know, looking at some of the names listed ahead of him, Andrelton Simmons is ahead of him. There's no way. He is? Uh, Yeah. Wow. In points leagues. There's no way I have more confidence in Simmons than VR at this point. Jose Peraza is somehow ahead of him. You know, a lot of the same shortcomings VR has. Um, he's just been hotter lately, I guess. So, I, I think you have to consider the overall upside when you're dropping a player like this, and how it relates to some of the players who may have technically outperformed him to this point. But you know, when they have that two-week stretch where they go off, is is that still going to be the case? And I think VR's overall ceiling still makes him a top-10 shortstop.
1: Okay, so then let me tell you a few shortstops who are being added right now that might be – I'm not going to talk – like, Cozart's 93% owned, so you can't drop VR for Cozart. But Angelton Simmons, you just said you wouldn't take him. Uh nope. Tim Beckham. Nope. Uh, well, shallower
0: Leagues, Didi Gregorius. No, I'd still rather have VR. You would? Yeah, I mean – uh, I, he's still going to be I think I said top 10 at, at the very least He's still going to be Top 12 for me So I would imagine Any shortstop 90% in, Any of the shortstops I have ahead of him Will be 90% Owned or more
1: Okay And then finally If you needed a middle infielder Would you drop a VR For Chris Taylor No Alright A few more things On my mind Scott Is Matt Kemp A good sell high candidate He's batting 328 With terrible plate discipline As usual But really, I I just—it's the lack of of Freeman that I think could really hurt him. Um, And it's been a little while, and he 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 still had been hitting well. But do you think Matt Kemp is a good sell high candidate?
0: I do. I feel like the very least we can trust that the batting average is unsustainable for him, and he's—I think he's a fine player. I think he's going to remain a must-start option, but. He's kind of still just a hulking slugger, and the hulking slugger is not the most valuable phenotype mm. in the game phenotype. today.
1: Phenotype. You you know what, though? I think as I asked you the question, I kind of just talked myself out of selling Matt Kemp because I forgot he plays at Coors Field in the South. He plays at SunTrust Stadium. a <laughs> Park? What is it? SunTrust? SunTrust Park. SunTrust Park, where we can trust mm-hmm. that the ball is going to hit the sun.
0: He does. He does play there. Forgot yes. About that. He he's like, but there are still health concerns, and his BABIP right now is 379. So in the long run, he's probably not a 300 hitter. He's it's a good comparison. He's a more valuable version of Adam Duvall, I think. Yeah. But uh, if I can make the Adam Duvall comparison, always about I'll, Adam Duvall with this guy. Yeah. No, I have another one actually. I'm going to work in later. Oh, good. Looking forward to it. Yeah. Uh,
1: okay, let's finish up with, uh, something on my mind. Wilson Ramos needs to be added right now. 37% yep. owned Wilson Ramos.
0: Yeah, he and Tom Murphy both, actually. I mean, I'd rather have Ramos. He was pushing Buster Posey and Jonathan Lucroy for best catcher in fantasy honors last year. Um, but they're both about 33% or 33% or, or less owned. And, um, they're both on rehab assignments now. They both look like they're going to be back within a week or two. So, I mean, catcher is even compared to like shortstop. Catcher is the position where pos- position scarcity is uh, is still a thing, and um, I would imagine all but the owners of Posey, Sanchez, Lucroy, and I guess Salvador Perez. Should be interested in adding Wilson Ramos.
1: Yeah, I hope that as far as Murphy goes, uh, you know, Walters is batting 301, which isn't bad. I mean, it's a good batting average. He has zero home runs, but he's not embarrassing himself. So I, I hope that Murphy gets enough playing time. Uh, yeah. When he comes back.
0: He might, he might be limited to being a one, uh, a two catcher pickup or, you know, if you're just, if you've just been struggling all year to find Anybody you can trust at that spot, you've you know gone with like uh, uh, Stephen like Vogt. Scott. I'm or, gonna.
1: I have I have Tom Murphy in a two catcher league. I'm gonna have to either drop him or drop mm-hmm. Francisco Cervelli when he comes off the DL, and I think I'll just drop Cervelli.
0: Yeah, I think you got to give. I mean, knowing Cervelli is is just is very limited in terms of what he provides for you in a categories league. I think you have to take the chance on Murphy, hopefully playing. Even if he's playing three of three days a week with his power potential in a categories format i think uh I think he'll be. He'll produce like a top 20 option. Alrighty. And, and you know, if he's starting five or six days a week, then a lot more than that.
1: But Ramos is definitely, uh, a big get right now. 37, he's up to 37% owned and on a rehab assignment.
0: I'm surprised it's not higher.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely people need to get on that Wilson Ramos. Alright, two last things that are on my mind. They have nothing to do with fantasy baseball. I don't think you're gonna be able to comment on one of them.
0: Oh no. You will be the able music? to comment on the other.
1: No, it's, uh, it's a sports thing, but... Okay. I've been watching yeah. hockey, been watching the Stanley Cup. You want to watch like the real finals? You watch the Stanley Cup. <laughs> um, I, I love broadcasters. Like I'm kind of, my enjoyment of a game is so dependent on the broadcasters. I think Doc Emmerich is the greatest broadcaster in the history of sports. He is the great, wow. he is the best ever. He makes hockey so fun. And I don't really like hockey that much. He is the man, and I was thinking about, like, I don't know who, who my favorite broadcaster ever is, like a big Marv Albert guy. I like all the big names, but Doc Emmerich is the absolute GOAT greatest of all time. There you go. And this is a, this is a slightly different one based on the dinner I had last night. I think Scott, and people are going to really hate me for this, I think raisins are good with any dish. They go with everything. I could eat raisins with anything.
0: That is a wildly unpopular opinion. Yeah. Raisins are among the most detested foods, <laughs> at least that we commonly find here in the States. Uh, but I i mean, I, I think they're probably unfairly maligned. Like, I think of raisins kind of like I think of mayonnaise. Like, hmm. yeah, you're not going to enjoy it, enjoy it if you eat it on its own, but...
1: I could I could eat that's an entire. Way. I, you cannot
0: give me a box of raisins because I will eat the entire thing. I I think raisins best. Like where where raisins really shine, as like when they're this burst of sweetness within a baked good. Oh, terrific! That's really when <laughs> they stand out. But like, no, I don't want to eat a box of raisins myself. I do. I it's, do. Uh, Absolutely. No, it's not. It's not a great experience. You get they get kind of that like crunchy you know kind well, of they're you, stale you know when they get like that kind of that little tip on it where that's a little too crunchy and it just throws off the whole texture oh gosh
1: <laughs> no no i can not yeah like i i like most of what you've said so far supporting me mostly in the raisins thing but this no i don't appreciate i don't agree with um <laughs> all right so we're going to move on with the show here unless uh, anybody wants to email us with thoughts about raisins we can try to read those on the next one but i want to tell you about sportsline.com Sportsline, uh, look, I actually am a Sportsline subscriber and I do use it. And if I need some, want to make some picks, it's a great source for it. Now, uh, you pay a lot of money on these types of websites, but Sportsline is running a special through the NBA Finals, so you need to you know act now. You get half off a one-year subscription, so you get it for forty-nine ninety-nine instead of ninety-nine ninety-nine. You're gonna get the Belmont Stakes leaderboard from horse racing guru Jody Demling, who's just amazing. He's hit nine straight Kentucky Derby Oaks doubles. And the race is this Saturday. So, again, you really want to get on this. Go to Sportsline.com and get 50% off the annual subscription. The basketball picks have been uh, red hot as well. Uh, Eduardo Rodriguez is going to be shut down for three to four weeks. He could be out for a lot longer than that. So, ugh. There, I mean, there's a chance he's going to have surgery, right, on the knee?
0: Eduardo yeah, Rodriguez? there's not enough improvement after that three or four-week period. It's, um, it's a little scary if you're in Rodriguez owner. He would still be pretty low on my list of DL players to drop. Like I'd still want to continue stashing him because he had been, he'd been, he had emerged as reliable, big strikeout guy. Uh, so we need to wait this out, but it's discouraging news. That's Eduardo
1: Rodriguez. Justin Verlander has no structural damage in his groin, but his next start, we don't know when it will be. Oh, Justin Bohr. Shame, shame, shame. May go on the DL with a bone bruise in his ankle. We'll check on that. Quit Merrifield was moved up to the leadoff spot, and his 19-game hitting streak ended. Uh, they moved Mustakis down to, I think, 6th in the order because he'd been hitting so well but had so few RBIs. So they want to give Mustakis more RBI opportunities. Um, Matt Wieters is batting four fifty-five with runners in scoring position. So that's not going to last. I've been trying to trade Matt Weeters unsuccessfully. He's just been so bad for a while, but his overall numbers yeah, aren't bad. Yeah.
0: When I was trying to think of catcher examples who you may have tried and moved on from, he actually came to mind, but like the position's so bad that I feel like he's probably just top 10 by default.
1: Like I think I would drop him, and actually I do have Wilson Ramos in my Weeters league, so I think I will be dropping Weeters at some point for Ramos, but I wouldn't do it for Murphy.
0: Yeah. That makes sense. Okay.
1: Uh, Oliver Perez got a one-out save for the Nationals. Matt Albers started the ninth inning. By the way, it's Team Name Tuesday. We have a Matt Albers team name, uh, <laughs> believe it or not. And <laughs> I'm just going to chalk this up to Cody Glover being unavailable.
0: Yeah, that, that's how I interpreted it, too. It seemed like uh, both he and Kelly could probably use a night off after the way Sunday's game went.
1: Yeah. Uh, Chris Taylor may not lose playing time when Jock Peterson comes back. That could be soon. Yonder Alonso started against a lefty, which he just very, very rarely does, but he was in the lineup against a lefty yesterday, Jay Happ. Had a good game, too. Two for four. Double. Team scam. Cody Bellinger and Adrian Gonzalez sat against a lefty yesterday. Bellinger, I think, had a pinch hit double later in the game. Zach Cozart has reached base safely in 27 straight games. And how about this nerdy stat for you on CBSSports.com? We have an article about is it a slump or is it bad luck? So, you know what x woba
0: is? Expected woba. Expected woba. Yeah. A kind, you know, I I get the concept behind it, I couldn't. I I guess woba you kind of uh measure kind of like on base percentage and whether it's good or not. Yeah,
1: woba is or woba is weighted on base average. We're calling it woba. I'm not backing down on this one. And um, you know, it's 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 basically like OPS kind of. And, uh, but it's a, I guess people who think they're, you know, really statty, cooler than people like me, they use Woba instead of OPS. Ex-Woba yeah. is what you're expected, uh, Woba should be, and basically it measures how lucky or unlucky you've been, and Miguel Cabrera has the highest ex-Woba in baseball, saying that he is probably one of the least lucky hitters in baseball. The top five in ex-Woba are Miguel Cabrera, Nick Castellanos, Chris Davis, Todd Frazier, and Kyle Schwarber. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I don't know everything ex-Woba measures. I know Chris Towers has remained high on Nick Castellanos partially for this reason. And, um, I mean, I, I, I think it makes, like, he's the one I'd be most skeptical of, of these five. Uh, let me read the five again.
1: Miguel Cabrera, Castellanos, K. Davis, Todd Frazier, Kyle Schwarber.
0: I know Frazier isn't hitting the ball especially hard, but his, walk rate is way up his strikeout rate is way down and i agree he's going to get hot here at some point and remind us all that he's a must-start player and uh schwarber i mean we've talked about him enough i don't think anybody's particularly worried about cabrera davis i haven't gotten that impression yet i mean davis's home run total is still very high
1: Kris davis of the a's <clears throat> um this is what dane perry wrote about ex-WOBA. StatCast and Baseball Savant have cooked up an expected WOBA statistic that takes into account how hard a hitter strikes the ball and at what angle the ball leaves the bat. By accounting for those two very basic ingredients of hitting, you can come up with what a player's WOBA should be, given the typical outcomes of his exit velocity and launch angle patterns. Okay. Alright, time for the email of the day at com. We still have a lot of show left, so we'll talk about what was really a great start for Carlos Martinez last night. Also, Jeff Samarja with another gem. Uh Gio Gonzalez pitching better than I thought he would. Junior Guerra pitching worse than I thought he would. I think Hyunjin Ryu's got a chance to stay in the rotation, Scott.
0: I think so, too, actually. I'm featuring him in waiver Wire today. It probably won't be up till this afternoon. But he's going to be in that. His velocity's back. I've been harping on that basically since spring training, how it was down couple miles per hour uh, from his prime and look even at his best he averages only 91 on it but last two starts he's back to averaging 91 I know he gave up four runs in this one but uh, no walks and and yeah seems like the Dodgers are excited about him so Kenta Maeda and, and maybe even Rich Hill need to be looking out for him
1: yeah, and McCarthy could end up on the DL. He left his last that's, Yeah, that's true
0: too. So
1: this is Hyunjin Ryu, who is 31% owned. We'll we'll try to talk about him a little bit later, but I've watched his last two starts and he looks like, he looks like Ryu. Changes speeds, hits, hits his spots, kind of a precision pitcher. Uh, got, I, I don't know, maybe a little unlucky yesterday. Like, remember that stat I gave about Matt Wieders hitting like 450 with runners in scoring position? Hey, hit a ground ball, kind of a, kind of a seeing eye single to score two runs. And earlier in that inning, Ryan Zimmerman, uh, yeah, Ryan Zimmerman had like a seeing eye single. So, anyway, uh, I thought he looked pretty good, and good for Hyunjin Ryu. All righty, from Lance Brosdowski Subject: I dropped Ryan Zimmerman, and he says first I agree it was a bad drop for me to throw away Zimmerman. But most important question, and one I asked myself after pulling the trigger, after seeing three consecutive sub ten week points or ten point weeks, how confident are you that Zimmerman is a top fourteen points league first baseman rest of season? The BABIP's crazy high. The home run to fly ball is unsustainable. He's hitting the ball hard, sure, but I don't think this is a completely reinvented Zimmerman. I liked Justin Smokes' matchup, and Zim only outscored him by six points. Scott said he'd spend 25 to 30% of his fab on Zim, on Ryan Zimmerman. I think that's crazy. So, yeah, I mean, this is a guy who dropped him, and we talked about it all show yesterday. And Lance Mm -hmm. is saying, hey, I don't know that he's top 14 first baseman in this environment.
0: I don't know either, but anybody you're going to add off the waiver wire, you're not going to be especially confident about. I I can't imagine a guy who's been arguably the best hitter in baseball for the first third of the season. I can't imagine you're going to find a player on waiver wire who instills you with a higher degree of confidence than that. You know?
1: Well, but he had to drop someone, I guess. You know?
0: Yeah, but and I know, I I know, he also said he, I, 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 I. I, you know, I believe he probably did. He put out an on the block update with Ryan Zimmerman on it. But, you know, if I see a player like that who, you know, has probably maxed out his upside, he's probably going to regress from here to what point. I don't know, but obviously for the cost of my worst player, I'd be willing to take a chance on it. Uh, but you know, if I see somebody put out an on the block, Update like that I presume They're trying to sell high And I presume I'm not going to be able To meet the asking price If I knew He was on the verge Of dropping him I would have Given him You know My fifth best Starting pitcher Or whatever Yeah So Yeah I, I don't think I don't think There's any justification To drop Brian Zimmerman And, and look well, we I, would have, Then he would have Had to I, drop
1: Justin Smoke, Which you would have done
0: Well yeah I'd rather have Ryan Zimmerman Than Justin Smoke. Okay I'd I mean, is that really something people are debating? No, I don't
1: know. Just l- l- Ryan Zimmerman was in an 18 game stretch where he had a 590 OPS. He was hitting very poorly. It was,
0: yeah. I mean, basically what two and a half weeks yeah. where he did that, and yep, and that happens. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> I I don't think that was enough for me to hit the panic button on a player whose percentages still were off the charts good. You know, Mm -hmm. like, and dropping a player, like, it's one thing to say, I don't totally buy this player. I'm going to try and trade him and, and, um, you know, really, and uh, so I don't realize my losses on it. So I actually get the most out of him. If you trade him for his going rate, you never have to worry that you, that you, uh, gave him up because, you know, you never have to worry about realizing those losses. So it's one thing to to try and trade a player you don't believe in, but it's another thing to just outright drop them. I mean, that doesn't.
1: Bottom line, <laughs> shame on you, Lance. But he said, he no, did. no. I mean, I don't, I don't <laughs> want
0: this to be a pylon Lance situation either. I was mostly upset at myself yesterday for not seeing it. Actually, another owner chimed in and said he knew Zimmerman was available, but he just didn't have a place to start him because. It could only be first base or utility, and obviously first base is deep. I'd have trouble starting him myself because I have Jose Abreu and well, before he got hurt, Justin Bohr. It would have been a challenge to get Zimmerman in. But I would start Zimmerman over Bohr. it just mean Bohr would waste away on my bench and I didn't it it would be unfortunate. Why wouldn't you
1: start him over Abreu? Why wouldn't you just play the hot hand?
0: I think is better than Bohr.
1: Yeah, but Bohr's the bottom Boer's line is
0: Zimmerman's the best of three.
1: Yeah. No, I mean, I think Abreu is better than Bohr, but Bohr, over the last month,'s been the best first baseman in fantasy. He and Justin Smoker are about even, so. Would you have the guts? I mean, it doesn't
0: matter, Bohr's going on the TL. But. Yeah, I guess,
1: but I guess. <laughs> Alright, fine. Just all right. theoretically. The second part of this email was, uh, I'll be tracking what first base streaming performance is, uh, versus Zimmerman, rest of season, and let you know the results. And third part was, you're welcome, Heath. So thank <laughs> you, Lance, for our email of the day.
0: I mean, the second part of that, though, it, like, even if it turns out in, to your benefit, like the first baseman you start instead of Zimmerman outperform Zimmerman the rest of the way, it doesn't erase the fact that you didn't capitalize on the value he had already accumulated for you. Like, this is one of the biggest- By not trading him. Yeah. Right. This is one of the biggest waiver wire finds of the year. Probably, number one, am I forgetting somebody who's-
1: Uh, Thames? Zimmerman. Well, I mean,
0: Zimmerman's more valuable than Thames at this point, you'd have to think, right?
1: Thames, Zimmerman, and Judge have been the three big time hitters. Zach Kozart, maybe, since he's a shortstop. But yeah, Luis
0: Severino, I don't think, was widely drafted. Mhm.
1: No, those have been, those have been the be- best of the best, I guess. Uh, alright, Scott, let's move on. The tweet of the day is from Joe Kelly. I think CBS Scott White deserves an on-air apology from Adam and Heath. Hashtag fringy. And you were right. Fringy is a word, F R I N G Y. But not the way I spell it. I just been making I But you know what? Maybe that's what I wanted to. do Maybe that's what I wanted to make up a word for our podcast.
0: You no. Know, I
1: don't have a problem with that.
0: I didn't I didn't take what you and Heath were doing as some kind of attack. I don't think I need an apology. And and I you know, being a writer, I know that Fringy with the E is ex- is an acceptable spelling, according to some dictionaries. It's one of those words that could go either way. Oh, okay. But F-R-I-N-G-Y is the more accepted one.
1: Well, I will tell you that you're not getting an apology, so I'm glad you don't want one. It is Team Name Good. Tuesday, and Andy on Long Island has one that I can sing, which is always great. Meet Lamet, meet Lamet. I think it's like step right up and greet LaMette. Uh, whatever it is.
0: What is it? Hopefully not. I have a lot of shares of Lemet. Okay. Don't want anybody beating him. You step right up and beat the Mets? That can't be what the line
1: is. Why would no, that be? No, it's not. Yeah, that'd be a terrible line. It's just
0: I to... I think that's like the joke version of the song because uh, you know everybody likes to pick on the Mets. I see. That's uh, the only one I know. I don't know the real version.
1: This is from Brian. All terrier Motives.
0: Mm. It's uh, okay. It's good. It's
1: good. Okay. Uh Joe in New Orleans. Hey, 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 it's Matt Albers. Yeah. That's good. Yeah,
0: then, then that works. Yeah, sure.
1: Uh, oh, the Vegan Pagan, one of our most loyal listeners from Twin Peaks, Washington. He's got a prospect team name for you, Ancuna Moncada. I actually think it's
0: Acuna. Acuna, is it? I don't. I I believe so. I heard them call him that on the Braves broadcast the other day. And him, he would be Ronald Acuna, an
1: outfield prospect for the Braves. And Mm -hmm. the the Vegan Pagan says, Which hot prospect has the best chance of helping fantasy owners this season? Ronald Acuna, Reese Hoskins, Lewis Brinson, or Nationals outfielder Juan Soto?
0: Hoskins does this season followed closely by Brinson. I mean Acuna is nineteen years old, but he's a nineteen year old who is hitting about four hundred at double a is just rapidly rising the ranks in the brave system and I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility. he could get a late season look in the majors this year if he keeps it up. I just don't think uh he's at that age, he's going to be able to break through as a regular contributor for your fantasy team. Still a long shot. He gets a look at all.
1: Okay, who's the best long-term keeper? Acuna, Hoskins,
0: Brinson, or Juan Soto? Um, I would say, well, Brinson is probably still considered the best pure prospect, but I have a hard time removing proximity from this consideration. Because, obviously, the further away a prospect is from debuting in the majors, the more potential stumbling blocks he's going to come across as he moves up that ladder. Uh, But, you know, Brinson's considered a top-flight prospect. Acuna's considered a top-flight prospect. Hoskins has at least entered Baseball America's midseason top 100. So he's starting to get more prospect attention. He's been... Had the most encouraging performance of any minor leaguer this year. So I would probably rank them in terms of how much I want them in a dynasty league. I would probably go Brinson, Acuna, Hoskins, and then Soto, who's, you know, also a teenager, very low in the minor league, so has a long way to go, but I like the upside. Uh, really it's between those top three probably, and they're, they're close to neck and neck and neck. Alright.
1: Alright, and neck and neck. there we go. Alright Scott. <laughs> uh, so it's time to talk about yesterday's performances. And, uh, Ryan Healy leads the way. So, you know, I already sang, I already sang Sexual Healing. I don't want to do it again. Although Ben Harper does a terrific cover of Sexual Healing. I recommend it. Uh, very good song. Uh, Ryan Healy is 70% owned. So he has now homered four times in his last three games. He mentioned that, you know, a lot of players have trouble DHing. He's sort of figured out a way to adjust to it. Uh, maybe that is helping. Or maybe he's just a really streaky player because I will remind people that in early May, Ryan Healy homered in three straight games, and then his next twenty-three games he had he, he hit two not terrible but two seventy-five with three home runs, which just isn't going to cut it at his positions, first and third, um, and two walks to twenty-five strikeouts in that stretch. Anyway, that that twenty-three game stretch was followed by this amazing stretch of four home runs in his last three games. And and he's homering off lefties batting four Oh eight against lefties right now, by the way, he hit two off happy yesterday. Uh, how legit do you think Ryan Healy is?
0: Yeah, I look at what he's doing peripherally in terms of fly ball percentage, home run to fly ball percentage, which isn't ridiculously higher than it was last year when he got that half season, that impressive half season. Um, you know, in terms of how hard he's hitting the ball, whatever. I, I I don't see a lot here that's unsustainable. I think he is probably going to remain a reliable power source all year. It's just the walk to strikeout ratio for him is absurd. It's it's
1: nine walks, fifty six strikeouts.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that really holds back his appeal in formats where walks count for anything. And, and like it's, it's, it's not a good time to have that glaring of a flaw as a corner infielder. Like when there's clear overflow at a position, a player's shortcomings are going to, um, you know, you're going to count for more than the strengths. So even though, even though Healy is on this 35 homer pace and I think it's more or less legit in points leagues, which is the, Format We most discussed that uh rewards walks. He's only 15th at third base, so he's a little less than must own. Now, if you're playing a categories league and you really just care about getting as many home runs as you can, he, he's probably must own in that format. But the fact that he's owned in two thirds of CBS sports leagues already tells me he's probably owned everywhere he needs to be.
1: Well, and Ryan Healy in uh, in Roto or categories is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, tenth at third base, right behind Joey Gallo. Who would you rather own, Joey Gallo or Ryan Healy?
0: I know I've been slow to come around on Joey Gallo, and I'm gonna stay that way. I'd okay. rather have Healy.
1: All right, and you know, Scott and I traded in the categories league, in the scam league. We traded Edwin Encarnacion uh-huh. and Sonny Gray. Yep. For Corey Kluber and Jeff Samarja. Yes. And we, we just had a, a much easier time replacing first base than starting pitcher. So Yeah, we
0: have Yonder Alonso there. And actually, somebody
1: recently dropped
0: but Ryan But we also Healy. have Ryan
1: Healy. Oh, we didn't have him at the in, time?
0: In that league. Uh, about two weeks ago, I think somebody dropped Healy. We picked him up as our third baseman. Okay. And that's a 16-team categories league. So, yeah, I— I doubt he's getting dropped in too many formats like that, but he got dropped in this one. I guess somebody had access. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's made, it's made a huge difference. We have even though we just traded Edwin Encarnacion and we struggled with offense all year, I think replacing Edwin Incarnacion and I don't know, we were starting like Jose Reyes, Ulyeski, Guriel. We were starting guys like that at third base. So, you know, the combined output of Alonso and Guriel, I mean, Alonso and and Healy Mm -hmm. amounts to more than even what we were hoping to get from Incarnacion in a complete scrub at third base. I feel like that's, that's kind of, I, I think there's a clear market inefficiency here in categories leagues with home runs. I mean, people, the home run hitters who do other things and who are traditionally considered fantasy assets. Are they really that much more valuable in that format that doesn't reward peripherals? It's just basically the five standard categories. Are they really that much more valuable than these Justin Smokes, Justin Boers, uh, Ryan Healy types? Well, I mean, I, I think the gap's narrower than we're used to seeing. So I mean, give me, who are you talking about? Like Chris Davis, Edwin Encarnacion? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Edwin Car- Encarnacion falls into that category of uh, traditionally, we think of him as being better because, and he's been good for a long time, but a lot of that was based on plate discipline, which doesn't matter in this format. And, um, there's, you know, a 30 homer season, I don't think is going to have the value this year that it has in the past. So no, but- I think it's, a, I think it's a way to maximize, particularly if you do what we did in trade for pitching. I think yeah, it makes yeah. sense. Well, I that- think it makes sense in terms of properly evaluating individual statistics relative to their scarcity in this marketplace. That's what
1: I was going to say. Trading for pitching I think is what I'd encourage. Is if you own Ryan Zimmerman and you really wanted to trade him, uh, you know, then then I think you should look for pitching, but I you know, it's an interesting question. Right now, Chris Davis, no, he's not that much more valuable than a guy like Ryan Healy. In fact, he might be less valuable than Ryan Healy for all we know. Like I said, Chris Davis, Cyrus Davis wasn't even a top 15 first baseman last year. But if he hits 50 home runs, he'll be much more valuable, and he can hit 50 home runs. And you say a 30 homer season's not gonna stand out. I agree. But Encarnación is a 40 home run hitter at his best. Uh, and, and, a, and 100 RBIs, and, I don't know, 100 runs, like every year? At his best.
0: At his best. But there's no, there's no, uh, he has what, a couple 40 homer seasons in his career? Usually he's been in that 35 homer range, Encarnación. And I don't, Like, I do think he's going to be much better over the final four months than he was over the first two. But I don't see any reason to believe that this is going to be among his better seasons.
1: I mean, he's been a 40-homer hitter each of the last two years. He had 39 in 2015 in 146 games. He had 42 last year. So I guess that's – plus a ton of RBIs and 94 and 99 runs. So I do think at the end of the day he's more valuable. I agree. He is. But it's the point is it's a replaceable position.
0: Right is the gap really so big that we should be passing up positions where there is a clearer gap like when we, if we can no. cash in on him by trading for a position with with more uh, with clearer more clearly defined tiers that might be a smart approach
1: yeah no, I agree and that's why if we draft it again today I imagine. I don't know about what Heath and Chris would do. I know this is a game show. Probably just the opposite of what we <laughs> Exactly. But <laughs> if we were drafting today, I imagine we'd take starting pitchers earlier than we did uh, 10 weeks ago. I, yeah. I certainly would.
0: I would probably still draft a hitter in the first round. But then second, third, and fourth might all be pitchers. Wow. Yeah.
1: Would you take Daniel Murphy in the first round? Like, he's so good. And he was a late second-round yeah. pick.
0: No. Yeah, he's so good. Um I don't think I would take him in the first round. No, just because of his age, I, I think there's too many injury risks attached to there. Uh, and I'll you, probably miss out on him if I'm drafting pitchers instead. But who would you I, rather have rest of season I'm sorry I keep
1: cutting you off. Who would you rather have rest of season, Scott? Daniel Murphy or Anthony Rizzo? Rizzo. I don't necessarily disagree, but why?
0: Um I think he's better. Is, I mean Is he? Because he hasn't in terms, been. Well, I, I I might be viewing this a little through a points lens,
1: but he wasn't better last year. I think Murphy was top three hitter. If I had to guess, you would know at points per game. But if I had to <laughs> guess, I would say it was probably Trout, Murphy, and Trey Turner last year. It'd be my guess at points per
0: game. Let me open them up, and I can confirm or deny this. Um, but obviously. We're using points per game. Rizzo's one of the most durable players in the league. Yeah. And Murphy, not so much. So it's not the fairest measure. That's but true. But, yes, Murphy last year, uh, so here we're. well, at least, uh, okay, I just have first base open. But either way, yes, uh, Murphy was 3.73 points per game last year, and Rizzo was 3.59.
1: And it's not even close this year, and you get more eligibility out of... You get second base, too. Well, okay. Oh, oh wait, I forgot. You say that's not even close this year. You get
0: that with Rizzo, too. I forgot you get second base. Oh, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Murphy has only outscored Rizzo by five and a half points this year. Oh, though. what? See, his batting average is a 100 points higher. So Rizzo's batting two thirty two. We know he's not going to be a two hundred thirty two hitter, right? Right. Uh, I don't know that we can expect Murphy to outperform the rate he's currently on right now, batting 333. So Rizzo is the one with a lot of regression coming, good regression. Mm-hmm. If Murphy regresses at all, it'll be the wrong way. But so in the end, I do think Murphy's going to be the higher-scoring player in fantasy. Rizzo, you mean, will be the higher-scoring player? Uh, did I say Murphy? Yes, yeah, I meant but Rizzo.
1: that's only in points leagues, okay? Like, if we're talking categories...
0: It does change things a little because you don't care as much about Rizzo's walk rate in that format. Uh, only, only to the extent that it helps them score runs. And batting average is one-fifth of a hitter's production. Murphy will probably bat 30 to 40 points higher than Rizzo this year. And that makes a difference. But I do think Rizzo's going to have the higher home run total. I think RBI and runs, even though Murphy has a head start there, I think it'll be similar. So it just becomes a question of, how much you need batting average specifically, and how risk averse you are? Because I I do think Murphy still, uh, just to drive home the point, is the more is the bigger injury risk of the two. Sure,
1: okay, and, and if you play in an OBP league instead of a batting average league, that would tip the scales toward Rizzo. Um, all right, Scott. So that uh, was a fun conversation, but let's speed up the rest of it because these other hot hitters that we have to talk about. I want you to tell me who you think is underowned here. Odubo Herrera, sixty percent. He's the hottest hitter in baseball over the last three games. 60% owned, Odubo Herrera. Tommy Pham, 32%. Yuli Gurriel, 29%. He's got a six-game hitting streak, batting three forty-eight with two homers and three doubles. Uh Jorge Bonifacio, 17% owned. Odubal Herrera, 60%. Tommy Pham, 32%. Gurriel, 29%. Bonifacio,
0: 17%. You know, other than Bonifacio, I think these percentages are... Just about where they should be. Herrera is the best player of them, but, you know, even though he's, he seems to be heating up, I just don't think with the, the way outfield has, uh, um, kind of transformed this year and become one of the deepest positions, I don't know that Herrera has the power potential to really measure up. But he's a, you know, solid player worth using in five outfielder leagues at the very least. Bonifacio, I do think, is being overlooked at 17% ownership and again he's not he, he's not even in the same class as Herrera but he does look like he is going to be a productive power hitter he was in the minor leagues i worried his plate lack of plate discipline would do him in in the majors and so far it it, it hasn't really been an issue i i don't think he provides much when he's not homering i think he'll be frustrating if you uh you know try try incorporating him into a Uh, Standard size leagues, try mixing him in in your outfield by playing hot hands, playing matchups, whatever. He might turn out to be a frustrating option, but, you know, he's already up to eight home runs, not having not even played a full season. I think that's a guy who needs to be owned in, in most five outfielder leagues, even if it's just uh, depth on your bench.
1: Yeah. I do own Jorge Bonifacio, who's 17% owned in. A five outfielder league. I have been starting him, and I think I dropped Guriel for him. I'm not sure. I might still own Guriel. He might be on my bench. You still yeah. have hope for Guriel? 29% owned.
0: He's no, no. I I don't really. He makes a lot of contact, but it's just he's he's picking a bad time to break into the league. I think because <laughs> just players who don't hit home runs. And while he's not a, an absolute zero in that category, he's not a standout, and he's just going to get buried.
1: Oh yeah, if you don't hit home runs or steal bases, then yeah, it's you're not going to be
0: particularly as a corner infielder. Right. Maybe as a shortstop you can get by, but no, it's Guriel doesn't measure up.
1: And I talked about um a shortstop that's a top 8 shortstop. That's Eduardo Nuñez, number 8 in points, number 7 in rota, but we'll we don't have that much time, so we'll save Nuñez for a different show. Uh three-man rotation from yesterday, Carlos Martinez, he held the Reds scoreless through six innings, then gave up four runs in the seventh. I think a ball glanced off Dexter Fowler's glove, uh, you know, cost him a couple runs. So I believe this was – a. they were said he pitched great and then just kind of fell apart. Carlos Martinez has a 1.10 whip, very low for him, but uh, the BABIP is also very low. Uh, and only 6.7 hits per nine. Well, 256 BABIP, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Jeff Samarja, another great start. No walks, 10 strikeouts at Milwaukee. And, uh, Gio Gonzalez, only two walks. That was good. This is one of his better starts in a long time. Uh, he had a 437 ERA in, in May. Gio had a great start at the, a good start at the Dodgers last night. Anything on Carlos Martinez, Jeff Samarja, and Gio?
0: Well, yeah, it was nice to see Gio break that string of nine straight walks with three, nine straight starts with three or more walks. But, um, I still, I'm concerned about his efficiency and what his whip looks like. Sell,
1: sell, sell.
0: Yeah, he is clearly the low man of these three for me. No worries about Martinez. Samarja. Yeah, I've been saying for a while now that uh, he was on the verge of breaking out 59 strikeouts to one walk now in his last seven starts. Wow. Uh, And, you know, in addition to the cutter, which he's not emphasizing as much, and it seemed to be a bad pitch for him, it seems like he and – um the Giant staff has kind of smoothed out his mechanics. Specifically he said um and he's very excitable and Dave Reggetti has calmed him down, right? Well
1: He did no, say he's, that.
0: He's he's not he's not pushing off to the side when he oh. delivers his pitch, which you know I don't know exactly what that means, but I think a lot of times when you hear a pitcher say, Oh, I'm I'm much better but mechanically, you just kind of write it off as Okay, he's just giving reporters an answer and he doesn't even know what he's saying. But when they get into more specifics, I feel like we can take it more as, you know, we can, we can believe that the, we can believe what they're saying a little more.
1: Yeah. Well, we know everything apparently that Jeff Samarja has said about his mechanics. So that's good. All right. Would you rather have Samarja or Tanaka?
0: I would rather have Tanaka, but I may change my answer tonight. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, you're pumped for a Yankees Red Sox So am I Alright, fringy starting pitchers Dan Straley uh, Not bad, not bad against the Cubs at all Junior Guerra, not good He only gave up one earned run in five innings But a lot of base runners, ten base runners Walks plus hits Uh mm-hmm. Ian Kennedy, dreadful, 57% own. And then Hyunjin Ryu, 31% own. And Eddie Butler had a good start Uh Who are your favorite three here? Straley, Guerra, Ian Kennedy, Ryu, Butler
0: straley Kennedy Gara and Ryu is catching up mostly I just have job you know, questions about whether he'll stay in the rotation uh, Straley's the only one who I think I would be particularly excited to own at this point Gara Kennedy you know I could drop them for anyone who like if if you just happened to really like Ryu and you wanted to drop Gara or Kennedy for him I wouldn't have a problem with that even though I ranked those two ahead of him
1: alrighty so let's see if we can get some emails read. Let's try to do this quickly here, Scott. From Bubba at Baseball at com. Hanley Ramirez was just dropped in my league. How much fab is worth spending on Hanley Ramirez? It's a 10
0: team head to head league. 10 team league had a really deep position. You know, I, 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 I can't say for sure I'd want to add him so in, in a fab situation probably zero or one whatever the minimum is if you if you felt like you really needed him
1: interesting okay that's uh, hanley ramirez this is from cory in bakersfield california do you uh, this is not really a question that we're going to have a great answer for but we'll try do you consider umpires when picking a pitcher in dfs if so where do you look up info on pitcher friendly umps <laughs> Uh no, I never did. Um I never I do. never
0: have either. I, uh, I Heath is Heath is the most experienced daily fantasy player of all of us, and I know he is um commented on umpires before. Normally it's not something like for traditional fantasy. Like it's it's so far down yeah. the order of things to consider when setting your lineup that it never even comes up. But when you have the choice of every pitcher who's starting that night and can pick any one of them, or two depending on what site you're playing on it would seem like it'd be helpful information to know. I, I wish Heath was here because he could give us a good answer probably. Yeah. Uh,
1: this is from Jesse. Do you think Aaron Hicks will get regular playing time when Ellsbury returns? And what do you think Greg Bird will do after his return from the DL?
0: Greg Bird's going to get hot at some point. I don't know if it'll be soon enough for us to really push to, to add, put him on our rosters in fantasy. He could just come off the DL and start raking. That's, Within the realm of possibility, but considering that we're having trouble rostering Ryan Healy at this point, I'm not particularly motivated to add him in a standard size league. Deeper leagues is, of course, a different story. Uh, and, and then as far as Hicks goes, we don't really know when Ellsbury's going to return. Yeah. These concussion symptoms are lingering, which could, makes for a potentially scary outcome.
1: I don't think he'll be a regular player, though, when Ellsbury's back.
0: It, in theory, like, if it happened, Hicks. if Ellsbury was coming back today, I would say he won it. But by the time Ellsbury's ready to come back, I mean, who knows what's the situation. Like, I, I don't know that I'd worry about that right now if I was looking to, to add Hicks, what his playing time situation's going to be.
1: Uh, Chris wants to know if you think Adam Lind will have any value. May he play some outfield against righties with Jason Worth on the DL. Lind I mean Lind has been very good, but it's been exclusively against righties. I think he has four bats against lefties. And they just called up Ryan Rayburn because they were facing three consecutive lefties against the Dodgers, uh, to play outfield for Worth. So I'm gonna guess there's no way Adam Lind's gonna play against lefties, but and even still, like, he just hasn't been a very good hitter for a long time now, Scott. So I'm,
0: yeah, I'm gonna say and it no. would be I mean, it would be a huge defensive he'd be a Major defensive liability out there. He does have some experience in left field from earlier in his career. But, and actually he has started two games there this year. I'd, I'd just be surprised if it was a situation where he's playing with enough regularity.
1: Yeah, okay. That is Scott White. We are Team Scam. Thank you for listening to Fantasy Baseball today. We'll come back tomorrow. Oh, whoa. I don't know what the hell that was. You hear that? I did. That was weird. It was. <laughs> <laughs> we'll come back and talk more fantasy baseball with Heath Cummings. Thanks for listening, everybody. See ya.